Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. It's Friday night and that means it's time for another segment of Not Your Mother's Radio Show. Steve Berlin is our guest this evening. Steve is a producer, arranger, session player, saxophonist and member of Los Lobos. Berlin's production, arranging and session work includes R.E.M., Sheryl Crow, The Replacements, Crash Test Dummies, Faith No More, String Cheese. Incident, Dave Alvin, John Lee Hooker, The Smithereens, The Beat Farmers, Willie Nelson, 
Mavis Staples, Paul Simon, Ricky Lee Jones, Buckwheat Zydeco and many more. Berlin's eclectic taste and talent is apparent with Grammy Awards for Los Lobos, Buckwheat Zydeco, Ozomatli, John Lee Hooker and Los Super 7. So, welcome and please join Elliot and Steve and hope you enjoy the show. Not your mom. Good evening, good evening, good evening. I hope everybody's having a great Friday. And I've um, got a big show tonight. Um, one of my um, all-time favorite bands is being represented here tonight by Mr. Steve Berlin, another one of my favorite musicians. You know, we, we, we've been getting a lot of really, really top, top guys in on the show. And um, Steve is, uh, you know, just to prove that uh, there's a lot of guys out there who are great, great players and... Um, you know, they could do it all, and, and Steve has. He's a producer, he's an arranger, he's a killer sax player. He's worked with um, uh, bands from, um, 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 you know, the Blasters to, um, you know, Los Lobos, where he is now, all the way down to Faith No More and, um, you know, the Go-Go's. Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on. This man is um, just a monster. And um, I'm really glad that he's here with us tonight. I'm really, really proud to be able to, um, you know, speak to him. And, uh, you know, um, it, it, I don't know if it means anything, you know, I, I know it does to a lot of the guys out there listening, but it, um, these shows that I'm doing with these great musicians, uh, learning the backstories, learning what uh, kind of makes them tick and how these bands are able to do what they do, it really means a lot to me. Um, you know, the history of music is... Um, is something that um, that everybody should know. Where did our music come from? Um, Steve was involved with the Blasters, which were more of a traditional type band, a lot of uh, rockabilly, a lot of rootsy type music, and then he moved over to the Blasters, which um, you know a Chicano-based band. And uh, Steve's not Chicano. We'll go in, we'll get into that later, but. Um, you know what, I'm going to stop talking now, and we're going to play something by the Blasters. This one's called Peace, and um, while we're playing this one, I'm going to um, get um, Steve up on the phone, and we'll get the show started in just a few moments, okay? Anyway, here it is, Peace, Los Lobos. <laughs> Yeah, 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 
trees are tall Higher than the mountains Stronger than the sun Okay, that was Peace by Los Lobos, and we have on the line now Mr. Steve Berlin, who um, kill a sax player. We're going to get into Steve's history, but say hi, Steve, and uh, meet, meet meet the crowd. Hello, everybody. Okay. Um, okay, so Steve is here. He, he, he's, he, um, he's here with us tonight, and we want to make him feel as much as home as possible, but what I'd like Steve to do is kind of go through his um, anthology um, things that made him uh, love the music that he plays. And um, I, I had asked Steve for some suggestions, some things to play tonight. And I am so happy that one of the tunes he um, put on the list was I'm Shaking by the Blasters. What a, that, that, that is my go-to Blasters tune. I love that song. Steve's all over it. Anyway, Steve, I'm going to shut up and hand you the mic, okay? So take it away. Well, that, that song right there I guess I mean that song was part of everything for me really and I was uh, I had moved to uh, LA in the mid 70s and I was um, I come from Philadelphia and I more or less moved out to play with a band of guys that I knew in Philly who had uh, come out about a year before and uh, this would have been 75, 76 I guess yeah and uh, we, it was a great band. I mean, the, the players were, were monsters. Everybody was, was killer. Um, but it was a weird time, needless to say. I mean, and we were kind of playing, I guess, for want of a better expression, it was sort of like uh, R&B, I guess. It kind of like, I, I mean, the, the closest paradigm I would suggest would be like the Boz Gag Silk Degrees kind of stuff. Like yeah. that was, yep. not that we loved that uh-huh. 
Well, you, um, the blast is covered it all. Got, you guys covered it all. Mountain music, you did. This is huh? pre blasted. This is, I'm going back a little bit. So oh, I'm, just, you know, I'm giving you oh, the yeah. backstory. Before. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I was in that band, and uh, we got signed to Casablanca Records, which was certainly a, a trip unto itself. Got yeah. to experience with right. being on a record label. And the drug dealership was like, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then that blew up, and I was kind of high and dry, and, and living in LA, and I was working in a music store called Bettman's, which anybody from LA from that era would remember because uh, it was just this complete, the most mom and pop operation you could possibly imagine. Like Saul was a guy who was, I mean, like the heart of gold, and he always had his alto sax around his neck and every single person would walk in, like literally anybody would walk in. It didn't matter what they were there for. They could have been there for, for anything. He would say, Hey, you want to, you want to jam? You want to play? You want to play? You want to play? And he would just sit there and just play with complete total strangers all day long. It was it made him happier. The happiest man in the world is like some poor schmuck would walk in there to, to buy guitar strings and end up sitting there and playing with Saul, who was not a great musician, but he's, but his heart, I mean, his heart was as big as, is Jupiter and he's just a wonderful dude. So he, I got a job there and I was the, the sax guy, I guess, or the, the woodwinds guy. And it was, you know, it was a nice job and wasn't making much money, but I didn't need to make much money. My rent was 170 bucks a month. And you know, I was, I was okay. Yeah. This was before a lot of what was, I mean, the, the scene in LA was kind of just developing. This would be what, I don't know, seven, late seventies. So I was in playing with a lot of people at night. I was like the only one of the very, very, very few sax players in LA in that in that scene. I mean, I was resilient sax players, but there weren't a lot in that what was soon to be the, the LA scene. So I was playing with like 20 different bands and I was certainly in the Blasters world, but I was not in the Blasters. And they called up, they called me up somewhere or another, they found me there at the store. This is before cell phones. So they called, they found me at the store. Dave called me and said, hey, do you have a, do you have a baritone sax? Do you want to come play on a song we're recording that tonight? And I looked around, and there was a sax on the, there was a baritone sax on the shelf. I did not own one. I, all I had was a tenor. And uh, I said, yeah, I, I, I got one right here. Cool. <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> I, I played that horn, that exact horn with the mouthpiece that was in the case for the better part of 30 years, I guess. I don't know. I just I had to retire it yeah. about four years ago just because it was getting too beat up. Um but that started it. So that session went well, and they, they said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, come back down. Let's see what happens. So, you know, by the end of that week, I was, I guess I was in the Blasters. I got to meet and hang out with Lee Allen, my hero, which wow. was, that's a whole other story unto itself. I mean, Lee was the guy, if you, don't, if you don't know, was the guy that played on all the Little Richard records and Fats Domino records and sure. basically anything that came out of out of New Orleans in the, in the 50s, 60s. Um, early 70s that was Lee playing all those amazing solos and so we became best friends roommates for a number of years with the Blasters and then I kind of got to tour and see the world such as it was yeah and that went on I guess for what three years maybe a little shy of three years and then I met the Lobos guys and kind of uh that begat another thing but it all started with uh I'm shaking basically that was that was the the key that unlocked the door that brought me here wow incredible and uh, do you want to hear i'm shaking out we'll put it on and uh sure yeah let's play yeah. okay here we go <laughs> And you talk sweet talk I get a knocking in my knees And a wobble in my walk And I'm trembling 
and I'm shaking it. When you take me in your arms and talk romance, my heart stops doing a Saint Father's dance, and I'm panting. And I'm shaking Early in the morning time, late in the middle of the night. Whenever this chill comes over me, I wanna hug you with all of my mind, and I'm sweating. And I'm shaking. I've been told Makes your head spin around And your feet run cold I got fever And I'm shaking Feel like I've been run through the mill I can't move around And I can't stand still I'm so jittery And I'm shaking Samson was a mighty good man Strongest day in his day and then along came Delilah and clipped his wig And it looks like it took me the same old way So I'm nervous And I'm shaking Storm rocks a ship on the sea The wind takes a leash on a tree I'm like a nervous wreck I'm all shook up I mean, so what you are doing to me Cause, cause I'm jumping And I'm shaking Right now, thanks a lot. That's a little Willie John song by, written by Rudy Toombs. We made a hit out of it somehow. We're going to bring up John Doe from X, special guest spot here. <laughs> Here's to you. I screwed this one up last time. I'll do it right this time. This goes out to Los Angeles for Don and Dewey, because this is Los Angeles music right here. And the plugs. And a plug. Sit down and do it in a plug. And Dave Drive. And everybody else in the world. Okay, and that was the blast as I'm shaking. And obviously, um, there was Steve right. on horns, uh, you know, on sax. And, um, you know, that is, that's my go-to uh, blast as too. Yeah, okay, so what are we doing after this? Where'd we go? Uh, well, um... Uh, you know, I, I guess uh, if we're going to do anything chronological, I, I don't know. I no, let's do it any way you so, want. You, you you keep talking, and I'll just follow you through. <laughs> well, you know, let's just stay there for a second. Uh, I think I sent you a, a track uh, called Cinderella. Yes. Um, so that, so just before Lobos, uh, and I guess even before Blasters. Um, so I just want to paint this picture. So L.A. in 1980. There's this scene forming. There's all these really great bands, none of which had existed. Maybe the oldest band in that moment might have been like two years old, which okay. was probably The Plug, which is another band I played with. Um, but it's just like a really exciting, like really exciting time. There's all these great ideas being thrown around. People are just experimenting. Like nobody's, everybody's, you know, I want a few people that kept their real name. <laughs> Most people... You know, you know, you just you, you come to LA in that era and just re totally reinvent yourself. You could be whoever the fuck you wanted to be. Yeah. Um, 
play whatever you wanted to play. It was a, it was just a really exciting place to be. Like every night you can go to any one of 10, maybe more different uh, clubs. And by and large, you'd probably see something amazing. Like you'd see, a, you'd see a band that, I mean, it's just hard to describe. There was just so much cool stuff going on and it wasn't enough money to make it corrupt. So people yep. were just playing and working out the ideas and, you know, I, this could be the, the, the rosy mist of time, but I don't remember anybody like really having this overarching ambition to like be successful. I just think like people are just happy to be creating stuff and, and making really cool shit yeah. and just doing because it wasn't, you know, there was the, the scene such as it was, wasn't predatory. And LA at that moment was not expensive, believe it or not. I mean, you could afford to live there and do all this stuff and not really, have to do three to four or six jobs and do all this other shit you have to do to live there now so it was kind of fun and every night was fun and you know i was in the middle of it i was playing with all these different bands so again free blasters pre-lobos so x band called x was probably the biggest dog on the block i would say like they were the first band to get signed to slash records who lobos right. and blasters yep. uh, eventually signed with uh, which was a magazine before it was a record label. And so they were huge and they were, I was in, they were one of the best, still one of the best live bands I've ever seen. They're just on a good night. They were just unbelievable. And so they, uh, John Doe and, and Don Bonebreak from X um, had a, a friend of theirs, a guy named Chris Desjardins, who called himself Chris D. And Chris had a band called the Flesh Eaters. Well, he had a, a couple of different bands before that, but he had this idea of a band called the Flesh Eaters, and he reached out to John Doe, and they wrote a bunch of songs, and then we decided they decided to put this kind of nutty band together, which was John Doe on bass, uh, Dave Alvin from the Blasters on guitar, Bill uh, uh, Bateman from the Blasters on drums, and uh, Don Bobrick playing uh, marimba in fives, if I recall, and then they asked me to join the band, and it was. It was an amazing experience. Now, Chris is not what you call a classically trained singer in any respect, but he his his he's such a pure soul, and his his intensity is so overwhelming, and he's just a remarkable guy. We've we did a, a reunion tour uh, last year that was one of the most fun trips I've ever been on. Like every night was just unbelievably fun and cool, and the music was just it was kind of like a religious experience. I want to say. I mean, on a yeah. On the good nights, I know there was one night in New Orleans where we played a place called One Eye Jacks, and it was like, I swear to God, man, it was one of the most intense musical nights of my life. It was just like the ghosts were flying around the room, and there was like all this shit, like just literally, like other. <laughs> I mean, I don't throw this stuff around lightly, but there was like other dimensions, like non visible stuff happening in that space. Magic, while we were magic. Like, yep, yep. We were, we were, we made the ghosts in that club very happy that night, and they were cool. showing their their appreciation. So anyway, so I, get, I, I think I sent you a song called Cinderella. So this is the Flesh Eaters. And this is kind of like, you know, I just wanted to paint a picture of, of where, you know, Lobos Blasters, all of us were in this sort of cauldron of, of, of stuff. And this was a band that, you know, to this day, like, so we did a record last year as well. I should mention that it was, it was pretty great called I Used to Be Pretty, which yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love that time. And uh, so you get to hear the Flesh Eaters. Like. So okay. you can play Cinderella. Okay, Cinderella Flesh Eaters.
with Cinderella. And that, that you could tell Steve, I mean, there's some tunes that um, Steve introduced me to this week. I knew the music, but I didn't realize it was him. But when he's doing the Berlin thing, you know it's him. There's such power behind that horn. I mean, really, you know, I mean, you know, you're an incredible player. I just want to, uh, you know, let, uh, let everybody you. know that out there. It's not, um, you know, anyway, I'm going to shut up and you go. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, Steve's doctor said uh, Steve's doctor told him that too much smoke up his ass is no good for him. <laughs> no, definitely not. Not where I live, man. There you go. Well, we were, uh, see, well, we were. I guess we were talking about Slash for a second there. So, um, that was uh, so Slash became sort of like the, uh, the epicenter, I guess, to a certain extent of a lot of cool stuff. I mean, it just yep. like they they had really good taste and. Uh, you know, sign of blasters. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I tell the story and I'm pretty sure it's true that, I mean, they, they were shamed into signing Los Lobos. I, I remember it very vividly that, uh, Bob Biggs, the president of the label was, uh, you know, his, his, his interests were not like, he wasn't a big rhythm and blues guy. He loved the blasters because they, they kind of represented something to him, but you know, the stuff that Lobos was doing was not, only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Companies. If you thought you missed your chance to refinance and save, think again. Mortgage rates have recently dropped below 3%, and Rocket Mortgage can help you save big. You could lower your monthly payment and prepare yourself for a better financial future. But you've got to act now. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rocket. Conditions apply. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030 really in his proverbial wheelhouse mm -hmm. but we had you know basically we were all in the same circle of friends and basically the story goes that all of our friends said that they wouldn't invite him to any more parties if he didn't sign us so, there you go so, so he signed uh, los lobos and green on red at the same on the same day but another band who, uh, -huh. uh right uh very famous uh guy named chuck Poppett who went on to to other stuff whose records i i love and i remember him telling didn't say it to me, but I heard it like firsthand that he said to somebody, well, he thought that Green on Red was going to be huge and that, you know, we were just going to, well, was just like, you know, I knew I had to sign him and, you yeah. know, everybody's on my case about it, but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm banking on Green on Red. Well, you know, yeah. here we are yep. 40, 40 years later. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not gloating over that, but no, I, just, no. I remember him. But who's, like nobody. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm going to come in and say it. Who's Green on Red? <laughs> we, I, well, it's we, just funny that, you know, know, it's like nobody, like, Lobo Scott, you know, I mean, we couldn't, like, nobody would, I reached out to all these different people to manage us back, again, in this same year. So by this this point, like, I've left the Blasters, I'm in Los Lobos, and, and very happily so. I mean, Blasters was, you know, it was a great thing to do for a while, but they were sort of transitioning. Uh, Dave was not getting along with Bill. That's not a, I'm not telling tales out of school. And I think Dave was really looking to do his own thing at that point anyway. Uh so Lobos get signed to Slash, and we we could not 
find a manager. Like nobody, like I reached out to all the managers that I knew, which is not to say there was a lot, but nobody wanted to manage us. But we needed a manager. We needed someone. We needed somewhere to send, you know, our bills and, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up hiring a woman who was the publicist at Slash, who was willing to do it uh, basically for five percent of the of the gross. Well, <laughs> just basically be our our our, our mailbox and to handle all our stuff because nobody else would do it. And it, you know, it was. I just remember like. Like this poor person, like she was our manager working on that deal through La Bamba, believe it or not. Um, yeah, it's kind of nutty, but uh, it was just uh, it was a bit of a struggle at the beginning. Like nobody really thought that this idea was going to go anywhere, and uh, this thing was, you know, kind of like I don't know. I, I just I I knew it was pretty awesome, but it was hard to sell it to people around us, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, and again, so I, and, and, oh, I, I guess. I'm sorry, but you know, Slash was going to be pretty much an alternative punk label as well, too. You know. Well, they were. I was actually going to transition. I was going to play uh, one of the songs from the Faith No More record that that I produced. So I was. Uh, it wasn't unusual for me to, back in that era to just hang out at the Slash offices, just because it was a fun place to be. And yeah, again, they were all my friends. And I remember uh, I uh, I was there the day that the. Uh, the Violent Femmes sent a cassette, and I was in the room when they first put that cassette on, and I heard that, uh, you know, I can't remember the name of the song, but that was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> this, is really, this is pretty cool. And they ended up actually, that that's, that was what was, that was their record, that their their demo tape was so great that we didn't, we, they didn't touch any of it. It was exactly as it was um, that became yeah. that record, which still gets heard like, uh you know, all the time, every day, you know, you hear those songs all over the place. So uh-huh. it was, cool. like I said, it was a cool place to be. But, um, so I got, they asked me if I was, uh, if I, cause I had co-produced the first, uh, the first Lobo CP and, uh, well, the one survived with uh, T-Bone Burnett. And I was, uh, and they said, well, what do you, we have this band, uh, Faith No More. You want to check this out? So they gave me uh, their demo tape and I was just blown away. I mean, this, that band was just beyond belief. Yep. Great. So I couldn't say yes fast enough and uh, ended up producing that record with uh, Matt Wallace, who's a brilliant, brilliant mixer, engineer, great human, uh, who's gone on to do lots of other stuff. Um, I just noticed they, I think they re-released the, the replacements record that he produced. It just came out today, which oh, wow. I, I'm going to buy soon. But anyway, if you want to play um, Chinese arithmetic, one of my favorite songs from that record. Sure. Chinese arithmetic, faith no more.
Take the mic. <laughs> uh, man, that was a. They were uh, they were amazingly dedicated to their craft. I have to say that that was actually well for the intended listeners. That was pre Mike Patton, so that was the first singer, right? A guy named Chuck Mosley, who was a fascinating dude, but um, easily uh, but tragically undiagnosed bipolar. You never knew uh, what version of Chuck would show up on any given day in the yeah. recording studio. And some days he was pussycat and some days he was a, uh, a tiger who hadn't been fed in a week and was <laughs> just, uh, just as easily snap your head off as talk to you. So, but that's most musicians. Uh, most musicians are like that. Well, I don't know. I know. I don't, I don't know. Not to that not, extent. No, I wouldn't say that. No, it was, Chuck was, but he was, you know, he, he was a troubled dude and he needed, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. had this been a different era and had he, you know, had, had competent health, he'd still be with us, but he, he tragically passed away, uh, yeah. not too long ago. And, um, but, uh, the band, uh, still together. I'm still close with, uh, Mike Borden drummer and, um, they're, they were amazing. They remain amazing. They, you know, they obviously went on to greater things with uh, with Mike Patton. But I was, yep. uh, it was fun to be around at the beginning of stuff. I, I've been kind of lucky in that respect to have been part of a few different bands, like first records. I guess yeah. um, I wouldn't say it's a specialty or anything, but um, as producer, it's always kind of gratifying to to help people kind of realize what they're capable of. Like, I think that's the one of the funner parts of being a producer is that, you know, some people have very grandiose visions, which which is also awesome because you know you get to realize that with them. But a lot of times it's, you know, everybody's insecure, everybody's unsure, nobody knows what they're capable of, and it's uh, it's always fun to sort of like open doors for people's imaginations mm-hmm. in a recording studio and show what could happen. Um, it, it, that's the really the best part of the job, I think, in many respects, to me, anyway. And do you have a preference of what side of the board you like to be on? Production, playing? You know, I know you do I, it all. You know, I think uh, that I like both. I mean, if I had a gun in my head, I'd probably say production, just because you get to control, well, control. You get to affect the output in a yes. more profound way. Uh-huh. Um, and you get to kind of dream big and, and go big 
sometimes and you know it's uh it gets uh sometimes you hit the mark and it's, it's just the most gratifying gratifying feeling imaginable as, as i you know i i tell people you know there's not a lot of, of of artistic disciplines where you could start with in our case i guess a blank piece of tape or a blank hard drive and you know in four minutes you could create something that changes the world i mean right. you could it could just go completely untouched from players imaginations into the recording medium and there it is and you know you've created a revolution it's and it's hard you, to do as a painter or an author or a movie maker or, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of cool and that it's it can be that immediate in some respects. Obviously, these days, it's not never that immediate, but the possibility is there. And, the, the you know, if your imagination is profound enough, you can create something that would literally change the culture in that short of a time. It's kind of fun to think about. And are you still... Um... Okay, so I mean, obviously, you're still producing, but I, I don't think a lot of people know this. But you, you have seven Grammys. Uh, six. I think. Six. Yeah, I, 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 I got a few before they, you know, back in the early days, they didn't give producers Grammys. They would right. just get you get like this, this handsome uh, parchment that said that you were part of it. Uh, right. And then uh, I don't know, like twenty years ago now or something like that, they changed it so producers get a Grammy too. So I have, if you play by the new definition, I have six. Okay, well, I'm going to tell everybody Hold seven. On. I'm going to do a little bragging for you. I'm going to throw an extra Physically, one in for I you. Have, <laughs> um, I, have, I have four in my office, so that's, that's all. I, I, I can put my hands on four. But it's, you know, that's just, it's, it's awesome and fun, and the, the Grammy parties are great, but, you know, that's really not why I do it. You know, I, no, no, no. You're kind of like, yeah. So, I mean, you're, you know, it's, it's you're, fun too. you're like an old-time guy. You're still, you're still in it for the music, and that's why. And, and, and it's Well, you know, I'm really lucky. I have a good day job. You know, I can before yeah. the lockdown, I could I could pay the rent with with my day job and uh-huh. do records that I like with people that I like. Cool. Because I want to do them. You know, so um, it, uh, it it I'm really 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 blessed that way. Yeah. Um, uh, now things are a little different, I guess, for, for all of us. But uh, I, you know, my attitude's the same. I just I I I really like uh, making records. I like the way they feel like the way you know i like to start with something with you know i, I do like try to do a lot of homework before i start and try to imagine what they're going to be and then sometimes it's bigger sometimes it's smaller sometimes it turns out to be you know 180 degrees away from what i imagine mm-hmm. it's going to be which is not a bad thing it just that's the way stuff yeah. happens but it's uh, very rarely not fun there's I, I could say over the course of many 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 records as a producer and I you know I, I know I'm getting away from the lowest thing but you know as a producer there's only been a small handful of records that turned out to be uh, like just plain not fun right and they were all learning good learning experiences just at the end of the day I'm just happy to be done <laughs> okay <laughs> and sometimes a lot of my friends and sometimes when you hit that 180 degrees those are the best records those are the best records yeah and, I, and that's like that's the funnest part is when you start and you think something's going to go a certain way and then it goes uh, sideways yep. in a good way. That's super fun. Actually, that's a good segue. Can you play um, Fireworks yeah. next? Sure. So this is a band uh, called The Tragically Hip, which is, um, they were as big a band in Canada as there ever was and ever will be. But I'm an American, and uh, I was doing a lot of records in that era in Canada, but not listening to Canadian radio and not really 
participating in Canadian culture in any meaningful way. I was just kind of a visitor, and I mean, I love working there. I mean, it's some of my favorite studios in the world, or in Canada, all across the country, actually. Louis as are some of my favorite musicians um, uh, up there as well. But uh, I was kind of a dilettante as far as the culture was concerned. So I got a call from the manager at the time, a guy named Jake Gold, and asked me if I'd be interested. And, you know, I, knowing very little really about them, I was like, yeah, let's you know, send me some stuff. Let me check it out. And again, not knowing anything. And so I was working on a record. I was in Vancouver, Canada, at a studio called um, The Armory, which I hope is still there. I don't know. But it was a wonderful studio. I was producing, I believe, a gentleman named Stephen Fearing. He's a brilliant singer, songwriter, guitar player. Um, and I hung up, I guess they called me there. Somehow or another, I was in the studio and I said to somebody out loud, huh, I get, looks like I'm going to produce the tragedy hit. <laughs> it was one of those like, like, like comic gold moments where everybody in the room, like if somebody was holding a glass, they dropped it on the floor. Everybody uh-huh. did a spit take. I said, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, uh, uh, looks like I'm going to produce the tragedy hit. And like, they're like, no, what you have, like, yeah. <laughs> why, why you, <laughs> yeah. nobody, nobody believed me. And, you know, I went on to find out that they were this gigantic icon of, 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 of amazingly just the most, uh, it's just hard to describe. I mean, there's really no American paradigm to be honest with you. There's no band in America that would think uh, not the Grateful Dead, not Solomon Brothers. It's just like they represented something so huge to the Canadian consciousness, it's hard to encapsulate. But my attitude, I didn't, I tried not to change anything about it. I mean, I approached doing this record just like I would produce any other band. I did not allow myself to to, to consider like how heavy the job was. Um, so they had a, a clubhouse slash recording studio. So they're from a town, they're, they're, in many ways, they were very similar to Los Lopez. They're guys who all grew up together from like seven or eight. Uh, they were best friends and then they put a band together and they hit the road and they did, you know, 200 shows a year and for nobody. And then slowly, slowly, slowly built this, you know, this behemoth sized operation again in Canada. Um, but they had, uh, I guess before me, like the producers were kind of hands off and kind of let them do whatever they wanted to do. And, didn't really, from what I gleaned from what they said to me as we were working together, that nobody really got into like the nuts and bolts stuff. And you know that like that's kind of my thing. Is like I like to to take the songs apart and put them back together again and and see what else could happen. And um, it was just kind of funny that they in their clubhouse they had their corners. Like basically everybody had their, their like their like territorial spots where they they pissed in. So that was where they were and. So I walked in and I was like, well, let's put this here and let's put that there. And like, you know, you guys have to be in it. Can you, can I, can this guitar amp go? (laughs) They're just looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, but to their enormous credit, they allowed me to do it. So this song, so I was, but it was funny because I was sort of constantly in my head anyway, I was just kind of battling this. I wanted them to, to think, I wanted them to be challenged. I wanted them to rethink how they approached what they did because they were, they were an amazing band. They're, 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 you know, they were just unstoppable, but they, they had a very set pattern of how 
they played. So I, I was always trying to get them to do different stuff and to just break this pattern of how they did stuff. So this song is a song called Fireworks, which uh, is one of my favorite things I've ever did. And um, I put the drummer, uh, Johnny Faye, great drummer, I made him play in the kitchen of their, this clubhouse, which was definitely not his comfort zone. And he was like fighting it the whole way. I'm just like, dude, let's just try it. Let's just see what it sounds like. It could be a, a cool sound. And I just sort of remember just battling with them to try, just, just, just see what happens. Let's just, if it doesn't work, I promise you, I'll put you back in your corner. And I kind of had to do that with everybody in the band uh, for this song. And we got this, uh, this was a one take deal. They, once they finally stopped whining about being moved out of their comfort zone, we got this take. This was a first take. So and, go ahead and play. And which album is this on? This is our album called Phantom Power. Phantom Power, because I don't... It never got to me. No. Really? It's in yeah. Fireworks? You don't see it in that... It was in that first list of stuff? No. Never got here. Uh-oh. Uh, let me check again. Oh, well, let's see. Yeah. Let me see if I can... Oh, let me get to... Maybe I could... Yeah, let me double check. I'm going. Yeah, well, it's definitely in that first batch of stuff. Let me see what's in there. Anyway, they uh, the singer very tragically, uh, Goy Downey was his name, and he he was uh, just a amazing human being. I to this day, I just okay. Well, I'm gonna play. Some, I'll play something else by the tragically hip while we look for it. Okay, we'll take a couple of minutes. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can upload it. Uh, hold on. Oh, okay. So let's get this started, and we'll we'll get back to it in a second. Anyway, they. Uh, his enormous credit he decided to go out and play a final series of concerts uh, across canada this was i guess now two yeah. summers ago yeah this, yes I'm and, this, yeah, summer two ago yep uh and looks like i just check the folder now okay. um and it was a national i mean every time every night they played it was like national like it was just the most overwhelmingly heartbreaking thing to know that this is the last time we'll ever see this guy do his thing. And uh, I got to see one of the shows, and I flew up to Calgary to catch one of the shows, and it's still one of the most emotionally powerful nights of my life, just to, that's hard to stop to think about and, and not they, cry. But uh, Yeah, they were a tough band, too. Yeah. They were a great band. They were they were just, and he, uh, Gord in particular, like he would go places artistically, like every night, and even in the studio, just Places where, you know, like, it was off the edge. Like, he would literally just go uh, over the edge and uh, in a place, you know, there was no control and no no safety net. Um, it was amazing thing to watch. On a good night, they were as good a band as ever was and ever will be. And just uh, honored to have uh, gotten to work with them and gotten to be friends with them. They were amazing dudes. Anyway, um, that's a long build up. Yeah. Is it in there now? Yeah, I have. It? Yeah, I just need a second or two. Live radio, guys. This is what happens. Yeah, live radio. Um, okay, and I think we're good to go. And 
Okay, finally, Fireworks by the Tragically Hit. Sit back and listen to this one. It's a great tune. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in 072. We all squeeze the stick and we all pull the trigger. Fireworks. 
and um, let's we're going to uh, leave this part of it and move on because um, right. yeah okay so I'm ready whenever you are Steve um, well let's uh, let's leave the world of rock and, uh, and let's let's go some let's check out some Latin stuff what do sure. you say cool uh, did you see the one called Mi Song on there yeah sure Rick Trevino only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. So this, uh, so I got to do a record. Uh, this is uh, actually this is one of the ones that won a Grammy. So this was um, a project called Low Super Seven, which, uh, when it started, was the idea was to really shorten it. Uh, was East LA goes to Austin, <laughs> more or less. Uh, so it was me, Dave, and Caesar from my band went to Austin and made a record with uh, Freddie Fender. And uh, some other uh, uh, amazing musician, a uh, guy named Joel Guzman, um, a great drummer slash bajo slash bassist named Max Baca, uh, guys who we didn't really know very well when we when we left, who have now become like some of our best friends. But we, uh, it was just like this incredibly loose idea. I think we booked four days in the studio, um, uh, and we came out with this great record. And I ended up. Uh, and then this gentleman, Rick Trevino, was part of it. Um, and I ended up, uh, I should upload another song from this. Um, I ended up producing records with everybody in that band, oddly enough. It was kind of kind of cool. Uh, 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 the the bassist uh, was uh, Will Dog from Oza Motley, so I ended up producing an Oza Motley record. And uh, it was really, uh, it was just a really fun record to make. Uh, no anticipation, no expectations, uh, it it was just uh, really didn't know what was going to happen every day, and every day was an amazing experience. Got to hang out and meet uh, Doug Sum. Oh, cool! Uh, which was also like he was yeah. sort of like the, the the ambassador of of the whole thing for the right. first record, anyway. Um, but this record, uh, so this one uh, was Rick Trevino was a was a like a pretty down the middle country guy who really didn't play much anything of of you, you know he was a Mexican American. When we started, he was like his whole thing was, you know, this was the George Strait era country stuff. So he was like that one of those dudes like doing straight up country and didn't really think about or integrate anything from his Latin side. But then he did this Super 7 record and sort of went like, well, wait a minute, what the fuck am I doing? And then decided he was going to really embrace the Latin side. So this the, the thing we're about to play, this Mison was so this was the, uh, the Super 7 record band 
Beck and Rick up. And this is one of my favorite records that I've ever done, just because, again, like no, we had no expectation, no idea what was going to happen. Uh, he was a guy who had a, a, you know, he had a pretty substantial career as a straight up country dude. And we just decided to fuck with everything <laughs> and Good. make a nutty record. So that's play it. Here we go.
Okay, Steve, that was Misson. Big finish there. Yeah. It was great. Um, yeah. So, uh, we, we, so we're just talking about La Bamba, I guess. Yeah, we were talking about La Bamba behind the scenes and... Um, Go back to the yeah we'll get to we're gonna to get to that later when Steve's gone but he's he he brought a lot of stuff to the table today that um we have to talk about the stuff that I that I didn't know he was involved with Dare Tick great band um, yeah that. yeah yeah there's Diamond Rug Suitcase Junket there's some really cool stuff here a lot of it I never heard before Dare Tick I knew but um, Suitcase Junket I you know you'll have to tell me about that one and uh, Diamond sure. Rugs so let's go it's all yours. Um, all right, well, let's see. You wanna, should we stay chronological? Or should we, well, yeah, I feel like we, I've kind of shortchanged the logo side of things. So let's, we'll, I'll just tell, uh, we're talking about Carlos Santana for a second. So yeah. the Bomba, uh, the, 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 so Lobos was, I mean, we had a, a, we crafted a lovely career and we were doing great. <laughs> uh, and then one day we got a phone call from uh, Richie Valens' family who we knew well from playing, uh, they lived in a town called Watsonville outside of Santa Cruz. Okay. And they would take, whenever we play Santa Cruz, which was a lot back in the early days, they would always take care of us, they'd feed us. Uh, basically, they kept us uh, alive back in the early days when we were not, you know, we would sleep like three to a room, four to a room. Yeah. Uh, so they called and said, hey, we, we sold the story to Richie's life, but we, we, we insisted that you guys do the music. Which was, wow. you know, really gratifying. We're like, yep. oh, awesome, <laughs> thank yep. you. Um, so then we heard from uh, Taylor Hackford, who was the producer of the movie, and he was putting the the, the movie together. And and uh, we didn't really know, like, what it, like obviously nobody knew what was going to happen. Like, we couldn't. There was no way to predict this was going to be a big hit. And to be honest with you as we were working on it. So we started working on it at the same time as we were working on our third record. So this would be the record that followed Will the Wolf Survive. So we were like, kind of started that record and then the Bama showed up and uh, it became a, a lot of work because they didn't, they had a working script, but it was constantly being changed. Like everybody knew how it was going to end, but how they got there was changing almost by the day and small fact fun fact is they didn't cast they, they didn't find Lou Diamond Phillips they didn't find the Richie character until the entire rest of the movie was shot so they could not find anybody that they liked to do Richie so they went ahead and shot every scene that he wasn't in and they were like I remember Taylor calling me I'm like don't you know any singing Hispanic Good-looking dudes, don't you know anybody? <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I didn't. I, you know, I mean, no was the short answer. So the the movie, uh, you know, no one really wants to know how the sausage was made, but in this case, the uh, the movie was was really uh, there was a lot of work because things kept changing, and then they when they found Lou and they decided to change the story completely again. It kind of rewrote everything and all along the way we were having to like recut different versions of the song so it wasn't unusual to cut like all right so there's a song there's a version of uh come on let's go in the garage oh no he's now he's at the paramount theater in brooklyn oh no now he's singing on the phone for donna oh yeah. now he's gonna like this was happening on a daily basis but it was cool because it was uh it was fun 
uh, for a while, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but nobody at no time ever in the entire process ever thought it was going to be a hit movie just because it was so disorganized and there was so much insanity going around and like they're constantly changing everything about it. And one of the things that was kind of one of the stories that I wanted to tell to you, Becca, you brought up Carlos Santana was it was at one point, there was this whole 20 minute long dream sequence where Richie and Bob go to Mexico and they, they take uh, peyote and mm-hmm. Richie uh, talks to his, dead dad you know the dad was not in the picture right. who was also the director of the movie Luis Valdez and it was like this whole like sort of like trip sequence mm-hmm. that uh, the world and and you know all of us that were involved in the movie are so thankful that they cut out of it because it really would have destroyed the movie I mean it was just like 20 minutes of complete utter bullshit <laughs> uh, that had nothing to do with anything but except for the fact that that whole sequence we, we did a scoring session with Carlos Santana, with Willie Dixon producing. So I had done, I did everything else oh, wow. as far as the soundtrack except the single, which Mitchell Froom uh, produced, uh-huh. which is amazing. And then Willie Dixon got hired to produce this 20-minute long jam that went along with this dream sequence. Wow! And it was that was a really it was a really funny session because one thing Willie had no idea who Carlos was or who we were, frankly, yeah, yeah. and could could not care less. And I guess at that point they had like tested the movie and it was testing well so that there was a bunch of like movie like muckety mucks came to the studio to watch this, this whole thing go down. Right. So we're in a studio and Carlos is there and Willie's doing his thing and Willie is a tough motherfucker. I mean Willie didn't take shit from anybody. Uh-huh. Didn't care who you were. He wanted it exactly and I mean exactly the way he wanted it. And wow. You know, we were not, we were no studio musicians. We had, up to that point, we had never done anything that, you know, we produced ourselves effectively. So we, yeah. we weren't used to somebody telling us we're doing it wrong. But Willie was highly unshy about telling us well, we were doing everything wrong. And, and Willie couldn't have been, <laughs> and, he couldn't have been, and he couldn't have been a kid at that time. Oh, no, no. He was, you know, he was, a, he was an old dude. And he was just like, man, he was brutal. And he kept calling Carlos Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Chuck. He kept going. Uh, well, he kept telling. Oh, I don't even know who's was Chuck. Willie. I, I forget who was playing drum. I think Louis. I don't know. Well, I don't know if it was Louis or Dave, but he was like, "Man, drummer, you ain't cutting it, drummer. You are not cutting it. Pick it up, <laughs> well, drummer. Pick it up, drummer. Pick it up, drummer." Well, and this went on for the better part of like four hours. It well, was just. Uh, it was. It was a rough day in the studio. Is that stuff anywhere and, to be heard? Uh, Can you hear that stuff anywhere? That stuff. I don't incredible. think so. I did not keep a copy. Because I, I, you know, that was not me. So yeah. I didn't have anything to do with it. So I was not, you know, I, I, I kind of like let go of everything at that, for that session. Yeah, those old blues yeah. guys, man, they were great. I remember the story. I was talking to Buddy Miles many, many years ago. And, um, oh, I love Buddy Miles. Yeah, and um, that Father and Sons album that they did with Muddy Waters. Yeah, he, he, Muddy kept calling a Buddy, um, I think Billy. He kept calling him <laughs> Billy Miles, and he introduced the band at the end of the night. And he said, "In our drums, Billy Miles." And it was like, you know, you can actually hear it on the recording. And Buddy said, "I wanted to just knock that guy out." It was like <laughs> he kept going, "It's yeah. Buddy, it's Buddy," and he kept saying, "Yeah, Billy Miles." It was like, well, yeah, those guys were, were cool dudes. Well, yeah. Hey, but you know what we 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 got to you know 
to hang with them and, and work with them. Uh, yeah, we, that was that was a special day. You know, we got to do a record yeah. with Johnny uh, Hooker. That was pretty special. Yeah, that, that was a. That, my favorite aspect of that session was um, I had this idea that it'd be fun to bring um, uh, Mario Caldado, who was he was the guy behind all the BC Boys records. Uh-huh. And I thought, man, how cool would it be to bring that dude in to, to record this with us and yeah, really? and Johnny Hooker? I mean, like he, he done such all this incredible shit with samples. Like, what is he? What would happen if he got to record the the dude right in front of him? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and Carlos, so that was, uh, Carlos eventually that was did, very, yeah. Very and and Carlos actually did that later on with John Lee Hooker. He brought that whole Santana flavor to uh, that uh, Healer album. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Wait a minute, I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah. Wait, here it is. Dear Luke. Have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years, because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, C-Club for details. Yeah, so that was the record. Yeah, so yeah. that was, yeah. for, for our contribution to that, we yeah. had... Uh, yeah, you were on it too. Yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, that was pretty great. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah that, that uh, is, that's a great album. The, the two uh, was uh, The Healer, and I've got the name of the one that came after it. They were both incredible. Um, they brought John Lee Hooker back to life, actually. They were great albums. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> I, love, I love the stuff you guys did on that Disney album, too, years and years ago. That kid's uh, Disney Oh, album. yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That was it. That yeah. Was, um, yeah, we, we, we kind of destroyed a bunch of Disney songs. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty, that was yeah, pretty that's cool. Funny. And we were, we were talking about Buckwheat off the, yeah. off the air there. I was trying to find... Uh, Oh, here it is. I'm going to send, I'll uh, see if this works. Which song? Uh, too Much Time. Uh, too Much Time. Let's oh, no, it was on uh, Lay Your Burden Down. Yeah, let's see if I have it here. Let's see if I can upload this. So this is uh, kind of a subversive on my part. And uh-huh. Ted. I have, I have, I have too, I have too much time right here. You don't have to send it if you want me to play uh, yeah. it. Yeah. So we, we love, you know, we're looking was an amazing musician an amazing human and wonderful to work with but he wasn't much of a writer uh-huh. like his, his songs were pretty straight up Zydeco. so we were always looking for interesting ideas to uh to, to record so we had this idea of him doing a bunch of uh, doing a captain b part song yeah and i just remember me and ted like like flipping the coin like who's going to try and sell this to budget yeah <laughs> Because it was not an easy task, let me tell you. It was, Too like, Much Time is a great, a, yeah, great song, too. It was not, a, it's yep. not an easy song to get your head around. It's nope. pretty oblong in the way that all nope. great but, uh, great Captain Beefheart songs are. But to his enormous credit, I have to say, it took a lot for him to get to this. 
he really he got it. He embraced it and he went for it. And here it is. He played. Yeah, it was, wait, before we go to it, I want to bring up a captain story. Um, Drumbo, mm-hmm. John French is. Uh, I think he's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. It's oh, awesome. it's the toughest guy I ever spoke to getting him on the show. He um he he just comes out and tells you, hey, I'm a hermit. I don't like people. I don't like talking to people. I said, well, come on, John, you got to do this. People are wait want to hear. From, well, maybe blah blah blah. But he said, I don't. You're not going to be happy with me. He told me right away. He said, I'll do it. But uh, yeah, but he he's pretty cool. He's he, he said, I'm a hermit. I don't like people. But um, here we go. Too much time. Buckweeds. I go. <laughs> Got too much time, too much time. I got too much time, too much time. I got too much time to be with our love. Hungry. I heat up some beans, open up a can of greens, eat crackle and dream about somebody to cook for me. Too much time, too much time, too much time, too much time, too much time to be with us. Hey, too much, too much time. Buckweed side to go, and um, he was a great guy. He happened to be uh, a real gentleman, a real uh, great performer. He um, he was easy to talk to. I did. A, I mean, I don't know him anywhere, you know, to any extent like you do, but um, I did do a couple of shows with him back in the '80s, and he was always um, he was always a professional, and um, uh, you know, he a great great artist. 
Yeah, he really was. He yep. was, uh, was a joy to work with. Yep. Um, I, uh, I was really lucky to work with him. It, it, it's funny, I, you know, just thinking about him and like uh, when I did the, so that was the, that was the second record I do with him. Uh-huh. So uh, when we, when we went, when I went back, we were down there at the dockside in Lafayette, and he had the little Buck playing guitar with him at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, so again, like we're trying to find songs, and we're trying to like you know get stuff that would be cool and different, and not you know kind of out of his wheelhouse. So we were pitching him on uh, when the levee breaks, the Led Zeppelin stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, which we did, which we ended up recording, but yeah. it was like. So I, I, I played that song for him and you know, like the band was there and I just like, and, and Buck Senegal, you know, who's a brilliant guitar player, one of the best Cajun guitar players that ever lived. He, he, he goes, man, I am not sitting around for this shit. It was like the, the first song on the first day of the first He's like, like, no? Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, so the albums you did, Okay. That was pretty fun. Okay. And so. uh, he ended up. It was great because Willie ended up. So I don't know if people noticed, but Willie's got a, this other band that he doesn't. It's kind of a secret called Titty Bingo. Yeah. Yep. And it's his. It's his rock band. He plays a, uh, a Steinberger electric guitar, which you know, oh. like you've only ever seen Willie with his yeah. beat up acoustic. Yep. But he he has a, he has a rock band called Titty Bingo, and they they do like I don't know, like one or two shows a year, usually private, uh, usually in some exotic place. But um, Willie and Buck just hit it off like old best friends, and he had Buck play organ. Buck was an he was incredible. Uh, Accordionist, but he was an amazing organ player. I mean, he, really? he was as bad as badass an organ player as, as anybody. And I guess he was just fooling around. Like we were waiting for Willie to show up at his place in the Pedernales, and Buck was just fooling around the organ. And Willie walked in, was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" So after we did Willie's track, uh, he had Buck play on some of the Titty Bingo stuff, which was pretty funny. Oh, cool! Yeah, wow. it was great. Uh, yeah, another great. What, what the, the Titty Bingo, they'll take out like a full page ad in one of the papers during South by Southwest huh? with no information. Like there'll be no, it'll just say Titty Bingo and like there's nothing else. Like yeah. there's no show. There's no like, you know, website. There's no like nothing. They'll just do it just to sort of taunt people like, what the fuck is Titty Bingo? And that's <laughs> it. They just, they get, he wow. gets a kick out of, out of uh, fucking with people that way. We, Pretty um, I've been, uh, I've been talking to, um, Mark Benno a lot, speaking of Texas. Mm. You know Mark from um, the Asylum yeah. Choir, Leon's, yeah, Leon's band. Yeah, yeah Leon's band, yeah. Great, great guy, great player, too. And, um, yeah. yeah, he has some uh, great stories, of especially, um, you know, in the old days. Uh, Stevie Ray uh, got his first job with uh, Benno. He was 16 or 17. Really? Yeah, he was telling me a story. I'm going to have to clean it up a little. That um, he got a call from Jesse Ed Davis. Mm. Yeah, one of my favorite guitars. Yeah, uh, Jesse Ed, well, you know, was a blues guitarist, you know, a Native American, and um, he um, he said he calls him in Texas and says, "You got to get up here. We, we I got we, I got some work and I need your help." Blah blah blah. So anyway, uh, Benno said he got into his Porsche and he shot up to um, 
uh, to, 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 a, to a California or San Francisco area. And he's in a hotel and uh, with Jesse Ed, and they're getting messed up. And um, uh, I could tell the story because uh, Mark told it on the uh, on the radio. <laughs> anyway, um, he, you know, he's getting plastered, and uh, he gets a call that there's a kid that they got to pick up at the airport. So they hop into the car, and they drive to the airport, and they're waiting, and the plane lands. It was a plane from Texas, and, and everybody gets off the plane, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, like an hour and a half after everybody gets off the plane, this kid comes off the plane dressed up like Elvis in a white satin suit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Stevie yeah. Vaughan. And anyway, yeah. they, they go back to the hotel, and, and, and the craziness continues and continues and continues. And um, the next morning, they wake up in a fog, and there's a knock on the door. And, um, uh, you know, Benno says, uh, he goes to the window and he says, there's some crazy looking guy out there. And he said, I'm not opening up the door. I don't know who this crazy guy is. So uh, Jesse Ed looks out the window and he says to him, that's Jerry Garcia, you idiot. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> so they, they were all brought into San Francisco to teach, um, to teach Jerry uh, guitar licks. He had everybody come oh, down just to funny. teach him how to play guitar licks. And, um, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, he was great. He, he, he had some great stories. He told me about, you know, he played the guitar in L.A. Woman for the, for the Doors. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, they said to him, listen, he said, we're going to give you $17,000 a week. And he said that was like a million dollars a week at that time. Yeah, and he sure. said, And he said, just come on down. We'll meet you in the studio. You know, Paul Rothschild was there, you know, uh, uh, and um, – uh, he said, you know, he, he meets these four guys and he says, uh, oh, 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 he said, who, he said, who are the, so he's sitting there and he says to them, who are you guys? And um, Morrison says to him, uh, maybe you know our song, Light My Fire. And uh, Benno says to him, you're fucking not Jose Feliciano. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So they they were going to replace uh, Robbie Krieger? No, no, no. It was just the second guitarist. They were looking for a Texas bluesy sound. Oh, second, yeah. Wow. yeah, it was just a, uh, you know, funny, yeah. yeah, just a hired gun. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. You're not a Jose that's Feliciano. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. We, so. we have, I have, a, I have a pretty good Stevie story. So we, we, we played with them, not a lot, but a couple of times. And there was one show that we played with them, and we it was us, the Pogues, and Stevie Ray. Oh, wow. And the Pogues and us were like, blood brothers i mean we love those guys we we got along like we were just like best pals right from the beginning but in the typical way of the irish like they don't take any bullshit about nothing no and, you know stevie was clearly a genius yep. but they they something about stevie just rubbed them wrong. you know he was you know he carried himself like a rock star before you know yeah that's what they said they said the 16 year old kid, you know, the 16 year old yeah, kid waited he, for the airport to, to empty before he came off yeah, the plane but that but that's how he was. He yeah, was yeah. that's you know he was a very simple guy when when you like hung out with him. Yeah, you know he didn't put on airs, but like you know he dressed up a lot. Yep. And so the Pogues were like, we ain't having this. So, so yeah. uh, he was head. Like, so I think Pogues went on first. We were in the middle, and then Stevie was headlining. And they were like, oh, we're gonna get this motherfucker. We're gonna get him good. So mm -hmm. he, so so I forget where it was. I think it was Buffalo, New York, or somewhere. So Stevie's doing the Stevie thing. And the Pogues, there was like a photographer's well, like right in front yeah. of the stage, like between the audience and the and the, the stage. 
And so those guys, I think it was Spider, and it wasn't Shane. It was like a couple of the, the you know, the, the, the bad boys. And yeah, folks. yeah. So they, they, like, waited down there. They're, they're, like, hunkered down. They waited for him. So Stevie, like, you know, comes up to the front of the stage, and he's doing a Stevie thing. And he's got, like, his, his, you know, his pajama pants on and his bandanas, the whole thing. So he's like, you know, his eyes are closed, and they reach up and they pulled his pants down. Yeah, Shane and those guys. Shane and those guys were nuts. They were crazy, man. They knew how to party. Oh, uh, they were, they were nuts, but in the best possible way. Yeah, every time yeah. we got together, and it was, it was, it was like every holiday combined. It was yeah. just super fun. I mean, they were they were a great band, incredible. Yeah, and they were a great band. They were yeah. We, and, and Shane's we, band yeah. and, and Shane's band after them was great too. The um, yeah, yeah, the pubs, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah it's I a shame know. we never got like we talked about doing stuff together, like writing and doing a record together. I mean that that idea had, had like popped up over the years a number of times. It just it just never happened, you know, between Shane's like you know varying states of sobriety and uh-huh. other stuff. Uh, it just never it never was to be. But uh, God, mean, that would have been great. I would have loved to. Have, there's, done a, a record. there's like a great know, lost. Uh, they did that great lost soundtrack album, um, Straight to Hell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Great great, that's a great album. It's um, incredible. Yeah, Costello was great on that. You know, Elvis Costello. Uh, uh, Joe Strummer was a killer. And pray, yeah, for, pray, yeah. pray for rain. Um, I forgot that guy's name who runs Pray for Rain. He uh, he he was in um, Strummer's band. Uh, they, th- that band should could have been. Um, they could have been a killer band too, but they just kind of uh, started backing up Joe Strummer and um, yeah, beautiful. We, uh, it's funny we we did uh, we we actually toured with uh, early on. We toured with the post Mick um, Jones Clash. Oh, cool! With when it was like right after Mick Jones left, which was no, it was a terrible band. It was really yeah. it was a shame. I, I got to see my wife and and my our first date as a couple was we saw the Clash in '81. This is sort of between, the, I think, just before London Calling. Uh-huh. So that was, yeah, that was that was an amazing night. But the, by the time we played with them, they were that the post Mick, uh, Mick and Paul had left, and and Joe had just like literally just grabbed some dudes off the street in London. Yeah, that's who what could he did. Not play yep. a fucking lick. Yeah, that they left. They put out an album too. Every, yeah, they did now. But I just remember. And like we would like we'd be down the hall at the dressing rooms and he'd be there you know like trying to teach them London calling yeah. in the dressing room before the show I mean this is wow. like halfway through the tour like, wow. no like e e e a a a no oh, wow. wrong do it wow. again like just like holy like smokes fucking guys like they had no idea I saw the clash at kind of, uh, uh, bon- do you remember the concerts he did at Bonds in New York mm. yeah that's where I, I saw- remember reading about it yeah, yeah I saw yeah. them there um I was um, uh, Mike Lang from Woodstock. Um, yeah, got, yeah. I, sure. I, I went with him a couple of nights to see them there. Great, great shows. They were they were killer back then. And oh um, man, they are. When they first hit, they were on fire. It was that was just unbelievably powerful. God knows we need them back. We need yeah, a, you do. This if, moment, if not um, them, we you, need a, Yeah, and you know we what? Need a class, somebody it, to straighten the shit out. You Basically. need you need Dylan back. Why the why isn't he waking up? Well, I think he's, uh, I don't know, you know, yeah. Bob does what Bob does. I know. I mean, you need somebody. The record's pretty cool. I like I like the, the, the new record. I, I love that he drops a you know, 17-minute track in the middle of yeah. nowhere about John Kennedy. It's, so, a great, yeah, it's a great album. 
yeah, we we need a we need this this moment needs a clash bad. Yeah. Um No, you do. Especially up I mean there's a horror show going up, you know, going on where you're living, you know, up in up around your neck of the woods today. Oh my god, it's uh yeah, it's it's it I I wish I could tell you something insightful about what's going on here. Like we have a smart governor and a smart mayor and they don't know what's happening. These motherfuckers just showed up out of nowhere and they're they're disappearing people. It's like Argentina. It's yep. absolute insanity. Well, no they... accountability, no names. They, no one knows where they came from. No one knows who they work for. It's uh, it's hard to fathom. It's, it's it's it's. I mean, we all know who they work for. We you know we know yeah. exactly who they work for. But it's like there's no there's no accountability. Like if they killed they they shot a guy in the face the other night yeah. and they and then they stuck him in a van, an unmarked in a rental car. They're not. They don't have even police vehicles. They're driving around downtown in rented cars and they're disappearing people off the street. Who are peacefully protesting? Well, it's uh, yeah, it's beyond. I don't know. We can digress into that and just lose the thread completely. But yeah, yeah, all I can say is, if you're listening to this, you got to wake the fuck up because yeah, it's starting to get really, 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 really scary. Yeah, I think, and we're we're the canary in the coal mine here. I think me and you are about the same age, and I remember when I was a kid. used to go into the Greenwich Village, you know, like, and, and you actually, yeah, you, you had to fight for your rights, you know, you, you kind of had to, you know, stick your ass on the line back then. And then, um, you know, my, my theory is, I don't, you know, take it for what it's worth, is that they took uh, civics out of school so that they dumbed everybody down on what your um, rights are, what the amendments, yeah. you know, and they took civics out of They taught you about Mesopotamia. Who gives a fuck about Mesopotamia? About Rome, about Greece, which is great. If you want to learn history, there would have been time later on. But they took away your knowledge of what your, you know, what the country um, meant to you, what your rights were, and all that other fun stuff. And over the course of yeah. the years, they've been clicking away and taking it away one at a time. And you can't fight them. You don't know if they take your rights away if you never knew what they were. Yeah, I mean, the Constitution is just another piece of paper to them. Obviously, I don't think any of them could tell you what any of the fucking amendments mean. Certainly, yeah. the president couldn't. Yep, and that's where we are. Today. Anyway, we're well, digressing again, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a terrifying moment. It's that is for sure. It is, and um, with any luck, um, the pendulum will swing the other way real soon. But let's get back to the music, and right. um, so this is a good segue. So why don't you play? You have the one called uh, "Tune In." Yes. So this is a band called uh, The Greyhounds that I, I just uh, this is a record that literally just came out I think, oh, wait, uh, I think, I think a week I, ago wait, today. wait 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 I'm sorry tune in um, no I thought that's a two. it says 01 oh yes 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 yes, yes. yes. Oh, 208 here it is so this is a this is a band uh, I, I'm a this is one of my favorite bands before I started working with them I'm, I'm just I think uh, they're just uh, unique and wonderful um, it's uh, two guys uh and uh, they, uh, Texas, um, they're just uh, Anthony Farrell and uh, Andrew Trube. Uh, and, uh, well, the drummer we use is a guy named John Spies, who plays in a band called Brownout that I also work with. Um, just fantastic players. Anthony's got the voice of an angel. And he, he's so he's playing uh, keys and key bass with his left hand. He's one of the funkiest bass players in the world, uh, in my opinion. He's one of the funkiest humans in the world. 
Um, and this is a song called Tune In. It's just kind of a little bit like what we're talking about. It's basically like people living in a bubble of their own creation and not not understanding the world at large. Okay, here we go. In my own world Where I only hear the words I agree with The private wavelength Where it only plays a song in my feelings Kiss today That's what we say And they were saying that way back talk about that one because you know i kick up a lot more about it than i do oh just uh you know um i think i, I did in the, the preamble just a uh, great band great guys um 
record just came out. I, I think you know it's, I'm really proud of the work. I think if you want to find it, it's uh, available wherever records are available these days. It's yeah. well worth uh, well worth picking up. They're they're just fantastic and great live as well. And you did production on that? Yeah, produced. Okay, cool. And um, um, what else is left in this list here? Um, uh, I'm not familiar yeah. with Suitcase Junket. Yeah, a lot of stuff. That, I mean, some of the stuff is you know literally brand new. You want to you want to play one more in this vein? There's one yeah, called sure. Can't Look Away. Yeah, let's do it. So this is so this is a it's a, a one dude who calls himself um, Suitcase Junket, and you'd have to. Uh, I highly recommend you people listening like just type in Suitcase Junket into YouTube and just see what he does. This is a it's a guy who it's a one man band of the old variety, not the looping kind of one-man band the way a lot of people do. He, he handcrafts all of his instruments himself out of stuff, mostly stuff he finds in the garbage. So his guitar he found in the, in the garbage. His, his setup is a, it's a suitcase and a brake drum and a, some old pots and pans that serve as his drum kit. But in and of itself, that sounds kind of like a circus act, but he is as talented a musician and as brilliant a songwriter as I've ever worked with, and just a really unique and wonderful human. And I've been lucky enough to make two records with him, and this is a... So this one isn't out yet. It may not actually come out, I don't think, until like November or something like that, but I am just finished it. I'm really proud of how it came out, and check it out. And it's a great sound. I give it a nine. You can dance to it. <laughs>
Man, that was some heavy shit on that one. That was great. Um, that was Suitcase Junket. And um, again, um, Steve told us they'll be out in, around November. How many other um, uh, releases does uh, Suitcase Junket have? Um, that's a good question. This is the second one that I've done with them. Okay. Um, I believe there's three or four um, prior that uh, I, I was not part of. Uh-huh. He's, a, he's an industrious dude, and I, you know, again, I can't recommend uh, just check him out online. Yeah. It's kind of what he does is beyond. It's you just can't believe anybody's pulling this stuff up in real time. And he's funny as hell, and he's really charming and entertaining. It's just cool. a, he's a remarkable individual. I'm really, really, really lucky to gotten to work with him. Yeah. Do you want to um, talk about what we were talking about behind the scenes, the uh, Lobos project? Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm only a little reticent just because I'm not sure if it's going to end up going this way. But um, so what we're working on now, that what I what I hope it will be when it comes out, which will hopefully be soon, it's a, we're, it's a, a covers record that's all related to Los Angeles. So all, it's either artists or songs or something that is the story of L.A. because it's the city that birthed well four of oh. the five of us but certainly birthed us in the in the musical sense and it allows us to tell some of the stories that i've told earlier about our friends and the, the people and the places and the, the things that kind of made us us right so uh we've uh, we've really just started um we're i'm supposed to go down there uh next week and go back to work on it so the story really hasn't been fully um, fleshed out yet, but uh, we're we're that's the overarching idea. We're, but we, we've we've had a number of overarching ideas that turn into something else over the years. So I'm a little hesitant to say this is what it's going to be, but for now, this is where the record has started. We, we actually got a couple songs already, and we'll we'll keep going and see where it leads us. Cool. And um, are are you the um, only non-Hispanic in the band? I am the only non-Hispanic in the band. Yeah. That's cool, and that's been for a while. Yeah, now. yeah, that's pretty. Uh, well, it's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been unique to say the least. Yeah, uh, been blessed. You know, it's uh, we, we're we're very 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 lucky to have done what we've done and continue to do, and hopefully when this shit is all over, we'll be back out doing stuff. But we're actually next week. We're also doing some some stuff that will be part of uh, some festivals. So we're we're actually doing a Philadelphia Folk Festival thing. Oh, cool. um, uh, we're doing a thing for um, Hardly Strictly Bluegrass, which is a fantastic festival in San Francisco that is tragically had to go online only. But uh, so we're going to be part of that. Uh, you know, people are, I think, figuring out how to do stuff, even in this milieu. We were supposed to do a, a drive in concert on yeah. July 4th. That's now been moved to uh, Labor Day. So we'll see if that. You know, hopefully that will happen, and you know we just uh, we just have to be inventive about how we how we do stuff, and yep. hopefully you know if our idiot fucking government yep. ever develops a plan, you know they'll hopefully put a lid on this shit and start to bring stuff down. But uh, you know, I sure like most people, I have very little faith that they're gonna get their head out of their ass anytime soon. So uh, yeah, I hope so, man. From your mouth. Um, you know, I was I was listening to this tune before, Skeletons at the Feast. 
Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Oh yeah, great, so, great, all right, great. That's, yeah. incredible. Yeah, we should play that. So, so this is a guy. So this is this is an interesting story. So this is a, a guy named Dom, Dominic Lavoie, who uh, opened a show for us in Portland, Maine, the other Portland. Uh huh. And I was struck by his songwriting. I thought, wow, it's, he has some really, really interesting uh, conceptual ideas about songs. Like, it wasn't standard structure. Like everything sort of had a uh, almost, I don't know, operatic quality to it. There was, yeah. in a sense of like, things would sort of change and move. And so uh, we engaged in a conversation, and um, I just said, "Look, you know, I mean, a lot of records I've done sort of came from this. I just say, if you ever want help doing stuff at any point along the way, I'm, I'm around. Let's let's chat." So we started this dialogue, and I guess this is, uh, I guess, a year ago now. I went to uh, Portland, Maine, and we started making this record, and. Basically, we did everything at his uh, re- rehearsal. He's got a little office in Portland, Maine, and um, he's his own engineer. Um, really, really gifted everything. Gifted singer, gifted songwriter, gifted uh, guitar player. And I-, I just love this record. I think it's uh, it-, it has not come out yet. I believe it's going to come out in September uh, on his own label. But I just I think it's really it was really, really enjoyable to work with. And check it out. It's yes. hard to describe. Yeah, this one grabbed me, too. A great, great tune, Skeletons at the Feast.
Okay, guys, Skeletons at the Feast and um, Dominic Lavoy, and I'll, I'll be playing that one um, from time to time. It's a killer, killer tune. Um, we have about five minutes left. I just want to talk to Steve. Um, we were talking about some stuff behind the scenes. I am so impressed that um, with the size band that um, Los Lobos is um, and pretty much uh, the type of band they are, Steve has stepped off into so many different directions and... Um, and it seems that whatever he's involved in gets gets the royal treatment. It's incredible music, and not yeah. one of these pieces sounds like Los Lobos. Oh, and, wouldn't that be boring? I mean, well, yeah, but Christ, but, yeah. but 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 how many how many um, guys, you know, get that winning formula? And you know, Los Lobos is a killer band. In fact, um, I want to invite Steve back on, and we'll be doing more of uh, this type of thing, but maybe a little more um, Los Lobos presence. We haven't decided yet. But, um, you know, you've taken that, you know, there's bands out there like the Grateful Dead or, or the Allman Brothers and Government Mule. Their stuff all kind of sounds similar. Uh, Government Mule to Allman Brothers. There wasn't much of a change there. They're both great bands. And Warren Haynes is a great guitarist and a great musicians. But you're, you, you know, um, I have a couple of friends who are like that too. Whatever they pursue, they kind of, uh, kind of master that genre. And I think you've done it on these songs. These songs are, are great. Um, Skeletons at the Feast, I think that, I mean, that's a hit. And, um, yeah. and it's, I, I'd like to think so. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's, and it sounds nothing like Los Lobos. You know, not that Los Lobos. Well, I just like, you know, I get to make music for a living, man. I'd like it'd be boring as fuck to just do one thing. I mean, I this is the part where I consider myself blessed. You know, I get to work with all these incredibly talented people and all these different milieus and I get to learn stuff. I mean, I get to hang out and kind of visit other planets, if you will. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, I mean, most bands, you know, and I can say this because I've got to work with a bunch of them. I mean, they're really their own uh, culture. You know, they have their yeah. own customs and, you know, to some extent their own language and their own everything. And everybody does everything a little bit differently. And, you know, I get to be kind of like an astronaut basically and, kind of drop in and check it out and learn stuff and, you know, sometimes learn a lot. And then uh, I guess I just get my, my space shuttle and <laughs> come back to, to home base. And uh, it's, uh, I've been blessed. Yeah. I've gotten to, to do some really super fun stuff. It's really, you know, it's, this has been really fun for me because I don't ever get to like sit down and listen to it. Like in a, in a gulf like this, just sort of survey it all. You know, oh, I'm just kind of like keep moving so it's yeah it's been super fun man thanks for thanks well, for letting me do this thanks I, for inviting me I, you, I appreciate it you're gonna do it again right all right yeah cool so, okay. what are you doing tomorrow good <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Uh, um yeah well i'm gonna give you I'll, I'll be in touch this week what what should i play on your way out which one should i put on before uh you know it would be good just because i think it has kind of a finality built into it um play the rock so this is um this is a band called Deer Tick. Okay. That um, uh, is a band from uh, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, and originally. That so this is how I got involved with them. So we, Lobos plays a show in Providence, Rhode Island, and in at, in this era, um, we would often go and sign like after the show, we would go out to the lobby and we would sign CDs back when people bought CDs, and you know. So it was like a routine thing that we would, you know, we would go out and, you know, we'd 
meet people and take pictures and stuff. It was fun. We enjoyed yeah, meet, it. It yeah, was meet, uh, meet and greets. Yeah, meet and greet. But it was like after show. It was always a blast. So we're at we're in Providence, and I'm like kind of looking down the like because you you know we're sitting at a table and I could kind of look down the line. There's a guy down the line who looks to be about as like some people you just look at him and like oh man that guy's fucked up. I mean yeah. his eyes were literally like doing like the googly eye thing like they were yeah. like going different directions. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I, you know, like, I was like, uh, I don't know, we'll see what happens. And <laughs> he, he gets to in front of me, and he goes, he, and he goes, hey, you're Steve Brilliant, right? Said, yep. <laughs> and he goes, well, you and me, we're going to make a record, man. And I'm like, in my head, I'm going, oh, yeah, you bet, dude. I'm like, yeah. okay, sure. He goes, no, man, you and me, we're going to make a record. I said, okay. And he goes, he goes I'm John McCauley. I said, you're who? Because I'm John McCauley. Like, just fucked up out of his mind. I said, John McCauley from Deertick? <laughs> yeah. And he, I said, and he had done a record earlier, like, I guess like a two years before, it was a band called Middle Brother. Okay. That is one of my favorite, favorite. I highly recommend, if you're not aware of that record, check it out. It is fucking believable. And I... I would study that record the way people would like study the Zacruder film. Like I, yeah. I could not figure out for the life of me how anybody could make a record that sounded like they were having the most fun imaginable. Just like how do you? It's like to me like that's the thing, especially with rock records. Like you want it to sound like people are enjoying themselves. And he had made this record, Middle Brother, and not that there's nothing wrong with the Deer Tick records; they're all amazing. But the Middle Brother record just sounded like guys just having the best time with a tape machine running. So oh. I said to him, well, dude, I guess we will. <laughs> I guess we are. And I'm not kidding. Like, literally three weeks later, we were in a recording studio making um, a record that became a band called Diamond Rubs, which you also, if you want to play me out with two of them, you could play, there's one called Funk in that in your thing, too. Yeah, from Cosmetics. Yeah. Yep, so that's, okay, sure. uh, that was the second okay. Diamond Rubs. So what, Diamond, so what John, John is very, he's an amazing dude. He's one of my best, best friends. I love him with a passion, and he's he's very restless. So when Deer Tech isn't working, he'll either uh, tour the world, like go travel the world, or put a band together and make a record. So wow. he did the Middle Brother record between uh, Deer Tech Records, and then we did uh, two Diamond Rugs records uh, in and around Deer Tech. And then I was very very lucky enough to produce a Deer Tech record in the middle of that as well. So. Um, if you want to do them back to back, I would say if you want to go thunk from Diamond Rug. So this, so the, the secret sauce in the Diamond Rug sound and the Middle Brother record is this wonderful studio called Playground in in Nashville uh, with a, uh, an engineer named Adam Landry who owns it, and it's it's eight track uh, uh, analog tape, which was an absolutely wonderful way to make a record because you know these days I don't know how much people know about modern recording, but you know. It's mostly done on computer. Even Lovis records are done right. on computers. So you have infinite choices. You can fix anything. You could tune anything. You could correct anything. You can make, you know, the, the really the question mark is how far do you want to go? If you want to sound like a computer did it or you want to sound like a human did it. But I would say largely most of the stuff people hear these days is stuff that's been cleaned up in a way that was Auto unavailable to Auto-tuned? Well, you know, we just fix mistakes. Like, we just, you know, there's something that we're not, it's not like, a, you know, Kanye West or anything where it's, like, intentional. We just, 
you know, we clean it up to a certain extent, but we leave lots of boo-boos in there. It's, yeah, it's sure. You know, we don't want a septic, but the way that uh, Middle Brother and the way that the Diamond Rubs records were made were on 8-track analog in this wonderful studio with uh, Adam. And it's uh, that's the secret sauce. It's like when you do it on an analog tape, everything gets captured, and you have to do a lot of stuff at once. So you have to do, like, for instance, on the track you're going to hear, it's like it's drums on one channel, bass on one channel, folks, yeah. like all the vocals and backgrounds are done at once. It's, yep. Each you know, track, the way yep. the Beatles records were all made, you know, it's just, it's kind of a lost art, and it's really, really fun because you can't, you know, modern record making is you just have to, like, kind of narrow down this infinity of choices, and when you do it with analog tape, especially with A-tracks, it's a completely different approach where you have to think of, okay, well, I need to do this, this, and this, and I have two tracks left. How am I going to do that? And you end up doing three things at once, which is super fun because it just raises the stakes and everybody has to like actually perform yep, yep. <laughs> and actually play good and actually remember, sing good and, remember the and old, do stuff. And it's like, remember the old yeah, Beatles? The old Beatles, vocals in one channel and everything else in the other. Oh, you know, when, when you, like, I've been lucky enough to hear some of the Beatles, like four tracks and stuff like that. It's yeah. Unbelievable how much stuff those guys were doing all at once. So it's, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a super fun way to make records. I wish I could do more of it, but it's, you know, it's a different mindset, you know, like a yep. lot of modern musicians having grown up with nothing but computers and nothing but the ability to fix stuff. They kind of expect it like, you know, like, yeah. okay, well, you know, that there's a studio joke like, Hey man, that sucked. <laughs> Come on in, you're done. And you know, some poor schmuck, usually me, has to sit there and tune it and time it and do all the other try and make it make sense but uh, not the diamond rush so this was done uh, at this playground studio it was uh, you know it was john mccauley uh hardy morris from a band called dead confederate uh ian st pay from a band called uh, black lips who else me um uh robbie the bass player oh. who was the keyboardist at deer tick at the time mm -hmm. who am i forgetting uh brian dupre the uh, the drummer who's another uh, providence great drummer from providence um, cool. Yeah, so play that, and then after that uh, will be uh, uh, Deer Tick. So this is the record that I made after we did the, the Diamond Rugs record. Uh, um, just uh, Deer Tick's one of America's best bands. So just they're, I just love those guys. They're amazing. Cool. And um, so we're going to say goodnight to you. We're going to get this stuff played, and I will contact you after the weekend, and we'll set up a date. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. DoorDash helps you make cash fast. All you need is your bike and a smartphone. The sign-up process is super quick and easy. Now you get to choose your own hours and be your own boss. And best of all, you get to keep 100% of your tips. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started. Great, man. Thanks. I really enjoyed it. it oh, really Steve, Steve, I want to thank you. It's been a great night. I enjoyed every minute of it. I can't believe two hours was shot by. And, they uh, went right by, didn't they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> they really did. But um, stay well. And, um, yeah, you too. Yeah, and um, keep your head down, and I'll speak to you Monday. All right, boss. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.
tonight i think that might have been the wrong tune was so what i'm going to do is i'm going to play the correct one now i promised that i'd play the rock by deer tick so here we go actually is
Okay, that was Dare Kick, and I want to thank Steve Berlin for spending the night with us tonight. And um, I want to thank him. And don't forget, he'll be coming back. He uh, promised he'll be coming back, and um, I'm glad. And so we'll be setting up another date. In the meantime, I want to say goodnight to everybody, and I'm looking for um, a cut to play. I think I'm going to put on a Los Lobos tune, only because um, they were kind enough to lend, a, lend um, Steve to us tonight. And this is um, What's Going On, the great Marvin Gaye cover by Los Lobos. And don't forget to tune in Sunday night. Andy Kahan will be here with us. Andy, of course, is from the Turtles and Flo and Eddie and some other cool uh, bands. He worked with Ringo. He worked with Harry Nielsen. Um, he's the um, he's the most unknown musician that you never he's he's the musician that you've never heard of that's been all over the place and uh, he has a great book out there and I think uh, you can enjoy um, listening to Andy some great stories coming from uh, there and if you get a chance uh, check out his book we'll tell you more about that Sunday next week we have a couple of more horn players um, two guys from um, <coughs> Excuse me. We have Crispin Co coming in on Sunday, and um, Arno Hecht coming from the Uptown Horns, and um, we have some pretty pretty cool things going on here. We have Jonah Louie from Stiff Records on uh, Wednesday morning. We do the um, British um, stuff on Wednesday mornings, so that um, um, it's around dinner time for those UKers. And um, Jim McCarthy will be back here with us. We have. Um, uh, Mark uh, Rubenstein coming in from uh, the Pig Light Show at the Fillmore. And uh, Mark Benno will be back with us next month. And so will Todd Cochran by 8 from Automatic Man. And then we go into Lawrence Juber. Uh, and that's going to be a cool night. Uh, a whole mess of um, Frank Zappa personnel will be with us. We have um, Art, uh, Art Barrow is going to be here. And uh, Ed Mann will be back. And uh, we have Ray White. And I've been talking to Tom Fowler tonight. Tom's going to be back. And i got a real special show coming up in um, middle of August. Dave, Dave um, Robinson from um, Stiff Records, he will be um, talking about uh, the uh, start of Stiff and the great, great Stiff artists that uh, went through the label. And uh, some more cool, cool, cool stuff. And I'll be talking more about that Sunday. And here we go. What's going on? And, and uh, stay safe the rest of the weekend until I see you on Sunday. And I will be back here tomorrow morning, but that's a, more of a New Mexican type thing. We do a show out of New Mexico that starts at 10 o'clock our time, noontime on the East Coast. So, um, see you all Sunday.
Lay's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.